listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and I'm just jumping right off of my email just to get back with you about this thing that came up on my email. Uh, it's interesting because I was looking on uh, my website, and I noticed that several people had been searching for, am I the problem in my marriage? Which is kind of interesting when there's kind of a trend. And so then I open up my email, and I have like back-to-back messages from people who are saying, yeah, maybe I'm the problem. Am I the problem? Am I the one who messed this up? And so... I want to jump out since that seems to be kind of a a concern for people and talk about whether you are the problem. But I want you to understand that we're going to kind of make a turn with that because I think that that's not always the best question. In fact, I would put it as there are several questions that are better that we're going to get to in just a minute. So let's talk a little bit about this. This is just kind of one of those questions that's come up over the years when people are in my office wondering, you know, am I the problem? Am I the issue in my life, in my marriage, in my work, in relationships, wherever that is that they're having problems? The fact is that I can say that they are certainly pieces of the puzzle. So I've had people in my office that have told me the exact same story about relationship after relationship. I had one person who came in and said, you know, I've had the same marriage issue that I, I don't know what it is. It turns out that my spouse is always controlling or always, you know, whatever, passive, whatever they name. And they go through a list of kind of these attributes that they keep finding in the same people. I had one person who came in and said, you know, I can't believe it. My spouse, you know, is, is always lying to me and cheating on me. And my friends are always betraying me and work is screwing me over. And I finally stopped him and I said, hey, I just want to to raise one question for you. And he said, what's that? And I said, what do you see as the common issue? And he said, yeah, I know, right? People are just jerks in the world. And I said, no, the common issue is you. You're true in all of those issues. So I wonder what it is that's driving that. The fact is, whatever is going on in our life, we either allow it or create it in some way. Now, does that make us the problem? Does it make us our fault? And so before we answer that, let me talk a little bit theoretically. One of the things that I discovered in college was the idea that we exist in systems. And it was an eye-opener for me. So as I'd gone through my education, you know, I was brought up in probably the same kind of Western system you are that focuses on the individual You know, when we're looking at what happens in history, we look at this individual that did something. When we look at our own life, we look at ourselves as individuals. We sometimes have notions of being on a team when we're playing in sports, but many times it's still a focus on ourselves. We have in our Western culture this idea of the rugged individual who pulls himself up or herself up by the bootstraps and gets things done. And sometimes we miss the fact that there's more to it than that. I remember years ago having a gentleman in my office who was telling me how he was a self-made man, that everything about his life was because he had brought something into it. He created that. He built this business from scratch, and he had made himself wealthy all on his own. And I challenged him on that because I knew his history. And I said, let me ask you a question. Where, where did you get that business? And he sheepishly told me that he'd bought it from his father. It'd been a family business. And he said, but I bought it, right? I am the one who bought that. And I said, how did you pay for it? And he said, well, 
you know, from profits that I was creating in the business. And so I said, so you basically got the business by forestalling yourself getting profit for a while. That's a little different than buying it. He acknowledged that. And then we talked a little bit about the customers that came in and made a purchase. We talked about the people who were working for him that were selling the product. We began to be aware that he wasn't quite as self-made as he would have liked to have believed himself to be. The fact is none of us are. All of us are the product of a system. We're born into a family. We're born into a culture. We're born into a lot of different pieces of the system. And so in, in college, I was presented with this idea that it wasn't the individual that mattered. It was the system that mattered in understanding what was going on. So if we step back a minute and we not so much focus on the individual, we notice that we are all parts of a system. You grew up in a family. How you understand the world started in that family. Whatever that family beliefs were, that started there. Your members of your family, your parents grew up in families that grew up in families that grew up in families. And sometimes, you know, psychology has tended to look at the individual and blame somebody, often the mother for what's happened, sometimes the parents for what's happened, missing the fact that those individuals also grew up in something. They had parents, they had mothers, they had parents, and on and on it goes. The same thing I notice in marriages. It's a system. It's two people creating something bigger themselves, as I call it, being a we. A we is a system, a new system. And oh, by the way, you as an individual, you're a system too. You're made up of a lot of different pieces to your body. If you look down to it, down to the cellular level, all those cells working together. And if you even go into that, all of the pieces of a cell working together. And we're all systems as we kind of step back and we see ourselves in a bigger and bigger web of relationships. And the fact is that those relationships affect us. But the fact is that we also affect those relationships. Now, one of the things that you can notice is that parts of a system can truly break. That's true if you look at your car. Your car is a system, all those different parts, all those different pieces fitting together to get you from one place to another. That's a system. If you look at any product, it's probably coming from a system. And so if you break it down, you begin to find the smaller parts that could break. If you're driving down the road and one piece of your car breaks, you might end up on the side of the road, even though almost all of the rest of the car is in fine shape. So a piece of the system can break. Understand that there are times when there is a problem with one particular piece. In your family, maybe someone gets sick and it affects the rest of the system. My point here is that we are always contributing and receiving from these systems that surround us. And our focus here is about the relationship, your marriage. You're a part of that, how you interact with each other. One of the things that happens when people get married is they begin to form habits and systems in place in their relationships so that they get through life. You and your spouse probably, even, even if you didn't talk about it, broke down the kind of the needs of the household. Maybe one of you assumed responsibility for one piece and another, another piece. And if you did it, you know, intentionally, you may have said, Hey, why don't you take care of this and I'll take care of that? Sometimes it just kind of comes together in, in a strangely organic way that creates some dysfunction along the way. Now, remember that that system, your marriage 
is on this lifeblood, as I've talked about it, of connection. The reason you want to stay a part of this system is because you're in connection with each other. When that very piece of the system is disrupted, that's where one of the big problems in marriage comes. In fact, in a very strong marriage, a breakdown of a part can sometimes be dealt with by the system. For instance, let's say that suddenly you're not able uh, able to do things for some health crisis. Maybe you get sick or injured and your spouse has to kind of take up the slack or vice versa. Maybe your spouse is injured or, or sick and you have to take up the slack. And in that process, the system rebalances by the parts of the system assuming other responsibilities. It's much more organic than your car. For the car, if one thing breaks, it could take down the whole system. It could take down the whole car. But in relationships, we have fluidity. In families, we tend to compensate for the problems. Sometimes even the compensations can get us in trouble. For instance, if one person begins to step back from responsibility, step back from what they need to be doing, the other person might step up to make sure it happens and in the process assume more and more and more responsibility until they're overwhelmed. And that can happen in any relationships that, that's more organic, any, any system that's based in relationships. The other day I was talking with somebody who was telling me about their family they grew up in. And then that family, the father abandoned the family, and the mother was mentally ill. From the time that child was 12 years old, that child was responsible for income. Now the adult was looking back, realizing that no 12-year-old should be out trying to make money for the family. And yet that was what that child was having to do, feeling all of the responsibility. And they would go home to find their mother you know, not being able to function, not being able to cook or clean or take care of anything. And as more kids were in the family, that 12-year-old, that 13 and then 14, then 15-year-old was having to take responsibility for cleaning the house and getting food on the table and take care of the young ones. No surprise that when that person hit adulthood, that person was hyper-responsible until one day that person was exhausted and couldn't do it anymore. So that person had compensated for years, but there was a toll to it. All that to say that when we are in relationships, the danger is pointing to one piece and saying, that's the problem. And that's the problem with the question of, am I the problem? Am I to blame? It's looking for that blame. The problem with blame is it's always bound in the past, The second thing is it removes all of the systems in place. It removes all the relationships in place that are a piece of that puzzle. So it's isolating it to one piece. It's kind of like if you take your car to the mechanic and they say, well, yeah, you know, this happened in your car and that's why it broke down. That's very clear. It's a mechanical piece that could fail. In relationships, it's much more complex. There's much more of an interplay and a much more of a dance in the relationship that has to be looked at. So instead of asking the problem, am I the problem, or the question, am I the problem? The better question is, what role have I played? What role have I played gets you to look at how the dance happens in the relationship? How the web of that relationship worked together or didn't work so well together. So asking what role have I played can give you 
kind of an understanding of how you got to this place. But now let's ask the best question, not just the better question, but the best question. What role will I play going forward? In other words, what will I do? What am I going to do from here? So blame is trying to find the place to point the finger. What role have I played is asking the relational piece. Where was I in that dance? And there are times when you may recognize that you were the driving force for a situation. Sometimes you'll recognize that your actions were a part of a system. You weren't the driving force. You were responding to other things. The reality is that we need to ask the question to understand where we need to make some shifts. If we haven't shown up in our relationship and we look back and realize that we weren't showing up, there's an opportunity to change that going forward. That's the last question. If we were maybe doing too much, taking on too much responsibility, and at the same time pulling that from somebody else, we might have to step back and say, I was a part of that too. I allowed that to be the case. This is the space between blame and responsibility. And that's where I want to leave this focus. We're about responsibility, the ability to respond. We can always do differently going forward. And the nice thing is that we're often given the opportunities to course correct in life. Blame to responsibility is probably the most important task we have in maturing. To stop looking for who's to blame, stop asking am I to blame, and start saying how can I make a difference here? What is my responsibility in this process? I often use this example. If the house is burning down and you're standing in the house, it is not the time to ask who lit this fire. It is a great time to ask how do I deal with this? How do I get out safely? How do I get anybody else I can safely out of this burning house, out of this crisis? Later on, you may ask, okay, what do we need to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? But that's a forward question after you've already made it through this process of recovery. I have a core belief, and this is, to me, one of those pivotal points to recognize that people do the best they can given where they are. That doesn't mean we're always working from an optimal perspective. It just means that we're working from what we know right now, given where we are. Oh, and by the way, that applies to our spouse too. Spouses do the best they can given where they are. Everybody does the best they can given where they are. Could we have done better? Sure. But at that moment, given what was going on, were we doing the best we can given where we are? Yes, they can be true at the same time. That's not a mutually exclusive thing. So I'm not saying that people are operating at their optimum. I'm saying that people are doing the best they can given right then. Let's say there's a crisis and their fears are kicked in and and all of their responses that they have learned over time about fear and crisis kick in. Were they being optimal in their reaction? Probably not. Were they doing the best they can given that moment? Yes, as were you. So when we can make that shift, we're already pivoting away from am I the problem into what can I do from here? Maya Angelou has one of my favorite quotes. She said, I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. So the task is not to be caught in am I to blame? 
the task is to be called in, what do I do now? How do I move forward from here? This is the pivotal question. Lots of people go to therapy trying to figure out whose fault it is. The growth step is asking, what do I do from here? How do I transform this into something better? How can I get to a better place for me, for my life, for my relationships, for everything else? One of the things I've often said is that people go to therapy for one of two reasons, either to change or to not change. When people come in looking for who to blame, they're not looking to change. When people ask, what is my responsibility? They're there to make a shift. Sometimes people recognize that as they're going through the process, and sometimes people recognize that as they're going through a marriage crisis, that they have to recognize that they are the ones who get to make a shift. So as I said to my client when he was naming all of the people who had betrayed him, what's the central factor here? And we kind of acknowledged that it was him. But the bigger piece of that was to ask, so what now? Remember, I did note earlier that everything that is in your life, you either allow to be there because you continue the process or you've created it to be there. That means that you get to make a choice here on how you go forward. If you choose to allow that place of blame, that place of being the victim, there won't be much change. If you acknowledge that you had a role in where that is, and now you want to find a better place, lots of change is possible. Lots of different possibilities are there. So how do you do that? Well, this is kind of the reason I created the Save the Marriage system. In that system, I put together a place where you can begin by understanding the state of affairs of your relationship, the kind of where things are. You give yourself a kind of a diagnosis of what level of crisis your relationship is in. We build from there and start looking at what do you do given that particular place. That's the quick start guide. Then as we move through the modules, I help you understand why things went wrong and how to correct them. Sometimes the correction is trying to heal the anger and resentment that have built up. So we have a module on that. Sometimes it's because when you get into arguments, you don't do well with the conflict. And so I have some rules of fair fighting. Sometimes you have a spouse that is so resistant that no matter what you do because of the damage done, you aren't making progress. So I have a down and dirty guide to help you do that. All of those pieces and some others fit together to help you understand both the crisis in action and how to resolve that crisis. It's built so you can use it even if it's only you that wants to work on it, even if you're separated. All of those pieces work together. Now, if you want to go ahead and grab the system, you can go to savethemarriage.com, but I want to kind of call your attention to two other pieces. Along the way, as you're going through the process of grabbing the system, I make an offer to you. I don't force you into it, but I make an offer of a free week of VIP coaching. It's kind of a trial to see if that's going to be something that would be useful for you. All you have to do is say yes at that point. If you decide that that free trial just isn't what you want, tell me, cancel. Otherwise, you could become a member of the VIP virtual coaching program and continue that. Lots of people continue. Some people decide that they either got enough out of the one free week or it's just not going to work for them. Either way is fine. But go ahead and claim that. Make sure that you step up and grab that piece. 
I also give you a free get started session with one of my coaches. No obligation, just to make sure that you're on your best start. My coaches are trained with me so they know how to use my methods and they also bring in their own expertise. That's invaluable. We want to make sure that you get started, not that you get stuck in asking who's to blame, but you get started in making a change to say, hey, I'm going to be responsible with some of these changes. The beginning point with that is grabbing the system. You can go to savethemarriage.com, grab the system, and get started. If you want to jump in line, if you just want to say, hey, you know, I've read enough, I've heard enough, I'm ready for this, just go to savethemarriage.com slash grab. That's grab, G-R-A-B, so you can grab the system. You can just jump right in front and get started. So either way, savethemarriage.com if you want to learn more about the system or savethemarriage.com slash grab if you're ready to go. Either way, we're here to help you. We're here to help you make a shift from that blame to how do you make the change. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.